All right, welcome back. We have a special guest. Yay. <laughs> we got Mr. Darren Shaw, uh, our campus pastor. Hey there. How are you? I'm good. Thanks yeah. for asking me to come on. I appreciate of course. it. Of course. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I've been listening and just and soaking in it, and it's been it's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun to, fun to do. Yeah, so uh, I don't have a, a plan or a theme. Do we ever have a plan? No, no. And if we do, it's it always turns out terrible. We never have a plan. No. It always works out. But I guess do you want to introduce yourself? Like tell people a little bit about yourself? Sure. Like in, in what way? What do you want to know? You already said I'm Darren Shaw, I'm the campus pastor. Uh, I'm the campus pastor of One Chapel, Liberty Hill. Uh, and I am, yay! I wish I had that little thing. And uh, yeah, let's see. I, um, I'm new to being a, like a, a pastor of a campus. I've been in ministry uh, for either part-time or full-time for a lot of my life. So for about 30, 30 years, I've been serving in the church in some capacity um, as a, you know, as a youth minister or uh, my first ministry job was cleaning the church where I went, you know, where I was going to, I was cl- cleaning uh, church on the rock in Austin, Texas. Um, and, uh, and it's amazing when you're alone in the church building, uh, the kinds of, I don't know, the kinds of things that, that God can speak to you, you know, when you're just, in, when you have that solace in yeah. the sanctuary, you know? Um, and, but so, uh, served as a youth minister. We've done, my wife and I have done groups. I was a worship leader, uh, for about 16 years or so. I've been an associate pastor. And so I am just absolutely blessed beyond belief to be a part of the church family with you guys. Oh. <laughs> You're going to edit all so that good. out later though. Maybe. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. How, how was it going from a worship pastor to, to pastor for you? To be completely, wait, do you want me to be completely honest? Yeah. Or do you want me just to tell you some sanitized answer no. that sounds good? Fully transparent. Can you lie to oh, us? Man. Can you I, I'm not allowed to. <laughs> Contractually, I'm not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah. Ross. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it, it was actually really hard. I, I don't know that it was hard to make a move from leading worship to just to pastoring specifically. But for me, it was hard to make a move from leading worship to doing anything else that wasn't leading worship, you know? So the, the, the challenge for me wasn't in taking on a new thing. It was in letting go of the thing that I become so familiar with. Right. Mm. The identity, the identity issue. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, there's that, that school of thought that, well, who you are is the sum of what you've done and what you do. Yeah. And I, and, and I believe that what you've done reflects who you are and the values that you hold, but, but not always because I've, you know, I love the Lord, but some of the things I've done wouldn't reflect that if you only saw that action in isolation, you know? 
So I, I think that who you are and what you've done, there's definitely a, a correlation there, but I think we put way too much emphasis on the function that we serve and we feel like that's, that's our identity. And I didn't realize that I had put so much of my identity in that until the season went, because, you know, the church that uh, I was part of Austin Cathedral and right before COVID, we shut our doors. And then for the next year before I was actually back into uh, a ministry role. And during that year, it was, it was difficult. I mean, it was difficult and everybody to not have their houses of worship that they could keep going to not have those connections with families. You know, we all kind of felt that, uh, for me, it was, uh, it, it was, it was difficult to lay that down because I, I realized looking back now that, okay, well, I, I had sort of taken that up as an identity and I thought, oh, this is how God uses me. This is it. Mm-hmm. This is how he uses me. I, and I don't know that he can, really effectively use me in a different way or as well as he did doing that, you know? So I don't, I don't know if he's using me as well right now either, but you know, we just, we just keep doing what he's, whatever he's put in front of us and whatever he said, would you do this for me? We just say, yes, I will. And then, and, and that's really our responsibility in, in all of it. It's just to continue to serve him with whatever door he's open for us. Yeah. And if we do that faithfully, then you know, then the rest is really, it's up to him. Yeah. So. Dude, that's so good. Man. We were talking about this earlier, the power of yes, mm-hmm. of saying yes. Like if he's using us, well, good things are going to happen if we're letting him use us. Yeah. There's that. When we say yes, we have no idea how much he's going to do with that yes. And your willingness to say yes, like you may never see all the ripples because that's what he's doing. That's not. It's like, Lord, you want me to do this? Okay. I don't exactly always know what I'm doing, but I know you want me to do this right here. And then we just trust that he's going to take that and make something great of it. Yeah. And, And to that point, as I'm looking back on, I had, by the time I stopped leading worship and, and, and I, I do believe that as, as a pastor, I'm still leading worship. Yeah. I'm, I'm still, I'm still shepherding. Uh, the people in how we devote ourselves to God, how, how we love him and obey him, the acts of worship that we, you know, it's, it's not specifically musical worship, but that's a part of it too. But, uh, but as, as I'm looking back and I realized that I put a lot of my identity by the, by the time I stopped just leading worship, I was, uh, I was 16 or 17 years into it. And if I'm really honest and I look back to those first one or two or three years, I realized, oh yeah, I didn't know what I was doing then either. <laughs> but you gain, you know, you f- kind of forget that. Yeah. We forget how, we forget the struggle when we get to a point where we're in a flow mm-hmm. and we're in a groove and we know, we know how to do what we're doing and, and we got a baseline enough and we're comfortable enough in, in hearing from God and, and doing the things that we need to do to where we don't have to devote all of our conscious effort to it Mm. and we can then begin to kind of explore the space a little bit uh when we get to that point by that time we've we've largely forgotten the process of getting to that point so i take a look at you know like now i'm i've been uh serving as as a pastor here for 
a little over a year and I'm, and I'm thinking, man, I don't think I know what I'm doing all the time. You know, I'm just going to keep saying yes to God. I keep telling Adrian, like, I've got to do no harm policy. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about that. It's like in ministry, the, our first rule should be like, do no harm. Don't, don't make anything worse. Don't make anything (laughs) worse. Right. That's good. And so, uh, it's, so I'm, I'm looking at now and thinking, oh man, that was a bump in the road. Oh, I should have done that differently. You know? But I, I have to remember that everything is a process. Yeah. Everything. What I was talking at the at our at our group on Monday night about how the the one thing that's instantaneous that Jesus does through us or that Jesus offers us is forgiveness. Mm. That's instantaneous. Good. But so many other things are a process. Mm. You know. <laughs> we just went right into it. And like I and this, so this is the thing. This is what I'm processing in my mind right now. What you just spoke about going from one season to the next and surrendering it. That's, that is my life right now. Mm-hmm. Like thinking about my past being a husband uh, and now single dad, there's a little bit of me that is still getting rid of the identity of that. That's what I was, or that's what I am. Right. And I have to, I have to be honest with myself and realize that I don't know what this next season is going to offer and what I'm supposed to do or there are plenty of times where I'm sitting there thinking, am I doing the right thing? Could I, could I shepherd people or my kids or, you know, I feel led to, to dive deeper in relationship with people. And there's a little bit of fear in there. Cause I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, but there's a, but I think you mentioning surrender is such a big thing because it, it allows God to number one, heal, heal your heart, heal the things that you've gone through in the past that I've gone through in my past and be able to use those things to then go and directly impact people's lives, which is, man, I needed to hear that. <laughs> Me too. Jeez. <laughs> well, and I think there's a little bit of, and I say this all the time with like friends, I think there's, there's, there's a little bit of like hope and joy in that not, not everybody has it together. And the fact that even you being a pastor for how many people on a weekly basis, like a couple hundred maybe. Um, for you to pastor and shepherd these people and still have a little bit of like, we're just going to let God show us what to do. Um, it takes the burden off of my shoulders because I'm type A. So I feel like I always have to have things together. I have to know what I'm doing in order to lead people. And I think that's, that comes from the corporate world of being in HR, but there's a little bit of freedom that I feel now just by you saying that that's, that's huge. Um, which I think a lot of people need to hear. Um, I I think I mentioned this in a, thank you for sharing that, man. That's encouraging. (laughs) It's always encouraging to know that something that you said made a difference, right? You don't, you don't always, I used to teach, I was a classroom teacher for 10 years. And it's one of those things where you, you say a lot of things and sometimes you don't know until like 20 years later when a student reaches out to you on Facebook and says, Hey, remember when you said blah, 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 that, that was cool. You know, it's like, Oh yeah. wow, that great. That meant something. So thank you. I appreciate yeah. the encouragement. Um, I, the, uh, the thing is that I think I mentioned this in a, in a message a couple of weeks back that, um, God has a really hard time, uh, with the, God has a really hard time, uh, leading us in the parts of our lives that we won't let go of, that we won't surrender mm-hmm. to him. Wow. Right. Yeah. Cause then he's got to pry it out of our hands. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we know how we want it to go. Mm-hmm. 
and we know better than God how we want it to go because it's going to be better for us or whatever. And we don't like not knowing, we don't like being afraid, but, um, but he's always saying that he's always saying, just, just let go, you know, trust me, my, my yoke is easy. My burden is light and, you know, let go of, get that burden off of your shoulders and put it on mine. Um, and, and the hardest thing, I think the hardest thing for us to do is to surrender things yeah you know it's because we don't we don't like the unknown we don't like not being in in control knowing what's going to happen yeah you know and and, but that's 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 what faith is i was thinking about surrendering every part like as humans i feel like we have a an incredible capacity to compartmentalize our lives you know whether it's this is who I am at work. This is who I am with my wife. This is who I am with my kids. This is who I am with my my family, my extended family, my friends. This is who I am in a social setting. And sometimes those personas are subtly different mm-hmm. and sometimes they're dramatically different. And it's like, no, we need to surrender every part, every chamber of our heart to him. Because when I think of Jesus, it's like he was the same all the time. He was the same, whether he was on the beach talking to fishermen, he was talking to farmers, he's talking to the woman at the well, he's talking to Martha and Mary, he's talking to Zacchaeus. It's like always the same person. It didn't change. And I think that's a demonstration of his complete surrender to the father. It's like, no, I'm, I'm all yours. And as you were saying that, I was thinking about something Ross had said before. When we first came to one chapel, I remember him talking and he said, um, just, you know, do something. If God's leading you, do something. And the illustration he used was you can't, you can't drive a parked car. And I was thinking about how we compartmentalize our lives. I was imagine, I was imagining trying to drive a parked car with one tire locked in park. (laughs) It's like, it's like you're moving, but you're not moving as as gracefully or as productively as you should. You're still moving, but you're leaving this skid mark behind you, <laughs> just dragging this one tire. And I think that's what happens to us when we don't surrender every part. We surrender, you know, 70%. Yeah. But there's this 30% that's just me. There's 30% that I'm going to do things on my own. Or there's this 20% that that's, that's still just me. That's my self-sufficient, independent self. Like God, God doesn't want to, God, I don't want to give up that part. And I think when we do that, we're just like that car. And sometimes we have the two rear wheels embark. I did that actually. You know, <laughs> we were, my, my parents were moving to Austin from Albuquerque and uh, I drove back with my dad or I drove with my dad to <clears throat> from Austin to Albuquerque in the U-Haul. And I had my car uh, racked up on the no. back of the U-Haul. Well, I mistakenly put the e-brake on. So as we're driving down the hill, this lady pulls up next to us in the U-Haul. She's like screaming at us. And my dad's like, what is this idiot doing? You know, I rolled down the window and she's like, your brake is on. So we pull over and like my tires were like almost blown out. And I just, I just picture like that's the, the damage that we do to our lives when we don't surrender. Is that what I did to my car? Which is, Almost lost all my tires. I had some like really nice rims on there. Uh, that would have been costly to have to replace that. We make it harder on ourselves to make those for God to be able to do the change and the things that we need in our life. And just picturing that in my head is 
Well, to use that same metaphor about, you know, you can't drive a parked car. Sometimes I remember when I was learning to drive, well, I saw two pedals and well, I have two feet. So I'm, I'm supposed to put one foot on each pedal. The numbers work. The numbers work, (laughs) right? It's like, Hey, two feet, two pedals. Boom. I got them there. (laughs) So I'm slightly pressing on, pressing on the gas, you know, but I'm also kind of leaning on the, on the brake at the same time. What kind of mileage are you going to get if you're half holding the brake at the same time you're pushing the gas? And I think that's what goes on in our hearts sometimes. It's like, okay, God, I'm going to, I'm going to do it, but I'm not giving you all of me. I'm going to give you some of me, but not all of me. And what's happening is we're actually exhausting our own fuel. We're exhausting ourselves because we are trying to move forward and follow him. We are trying to do what he wants us to do, but there's a part of us that's engaging that break and we're fighting the resistance of ourselves. I love that you mentioned uh, the mountain is you. It's like, mm-hmm. we're, we're engaging that break for ourselves. We're, we're driving and that's good. Mm-hmm. Props to us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we're driving, that. Yeah, but I'm holding the e-brake up. <laughs> So it's like, it's like, why are you making it so hard? We're making it more difficult than it has to be. If we'll just release it all, if we'll release all of it and just say, Lord, I'm just going to go. I don't necessarily know what it's going to be like, um, but I'm tired of fighting you. I'm tired of, you know, satisfying myself and fighting you and being resistant and just giving you part of me. I want to give you all of me because then it'll be scary. But I think we were talking about flow state earlier. When you do that, I think we don't get as tired. Yeah. We're not going to get as tired as we normally would. I think we get tired because we're we're not surrendering at all. But when we're doing all the things that he wants us to do, well, I think he's providing us. He's feeding us at the same time that we're doing something. So you're doing that thing he called you to do. And then you start seeing fruit and he starts blessing you and he keeps pouring into you. And it's like this cyclical thing where it just kind of keeps pouring into you and keeps energizing you to continue doing that thing that he's calling you to do. Yeah. But you got to take your foot off the brake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that requires, it, it's interesting, right? That requires trust in, it requires trust in like the vehicle that you're in a little bit. You know, as, as you were sharing about like riding the brake, you know, I started thinking about, you know, Brushy Creek trails are pretty, pretty close to here yeah. and I ride mountain bikes and there's a tendency, I was riding with my brother-in-law and, uh, and there was a, like a hill and then after the, you know, pretty steep hill and after the steep hill, there was, you know, it, was, it looked pretty rough down below and I was, I went down and I was riding the brake and it throws your center of gravity like way off, especially you start going down a hill, you ride the brake, well, Gravity is pushing you forward, and if you're not careful, then you come. You're to moving something. forward, and the bike's slowing yeah, down. Yeah, the bike is slowing down. Your body's moving forward, and you can go over the handlebars. That's when wrecks happen, you know. Yeah. And so I was riding with David, and he said, "No, nah, man, you're all right. Just trust the bike. Just trust the bike. Mm-hmm. You know, the bike is designed to go over these things. My fear isn't designed to go on some of these things, but the bike's built for that. Yeah, you know. And I think about that, and in, in, in terms also of like, you know, the the God that we serve, you know, just, just trust it. Just trust it. Like, oh, yeah, my fear isn't designed to go through this next season, but God's built for that. Mm. You know, oh, gosh. he's and, and and if I'll just trust him then he'll carry me through that. Um, we were talking about surrender. Uh, well, we've been talking about surrender, I guess this, this whole time so far. Yeah. And, uh, and you were, Alex, you were saying, um, 
just in, in surrender as it relates to uh, to my position as being a pastor. And, uh, and that gets me thinking uh, about it's, it's important for us to remember that, yeah, we need to surrender to the Lord, but sometimes surrendering and giving things over and letting go of things to the Lord, uh, it's trusting him, but sometimes it looks like trusting people around you. And when I think about, cause you you had mentioned and and, uh, you'd mentioned, you know, coming shepherding a house, shepherding a church. And that is what God's called me to do. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, I need to trust him and I need to trust people around me mm. to be able to do, I need to let go. Cause if I, if I, if I take that role and take it, like if the, I don't have a lot of a type personality in me, but the part that I do is going to want to take that role and control it and not let anybody else in on it because, you know, cause it's my responsibility and I want to make sure I'm doing everything exactly the way I want it done and that yeah. kind of thing. But then just because of the capacity of a human being, if we have 150, 200 people here, I'm, I'm not enough to meet all those needs. Wow. I'm not enough. And, and not everybody's needs get, get met in an hour and a half on a Sunday. Yep. It's just not enough time. Yeah. So what God has really given me grace to do here and, and, and in other roles as well, but, but here I really... I really see it more in action is, is to be able to trust him in shepherding the house by trusting other people in shepherding the house. And Adrian and Paula are, are, are a big part of that. Right. They, they have so many, so much relational uh, capacity and, and such a desire yeah. to, you know, to connect and to, and to walk with people. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and then other, other staff members, other leaders in the church, I think, wow, the, what, what a beautiful place we're in where, where no, I don't, I'm not under the impression that people at our church feel like, oh, well, it's, it's the pastor's job to make sure everybody's needs are met. And that's, we all kind of trust each other to hear from the Lord, to follow the Lord together mm-hmm. and to make sure that nobody gets left out. Nobody gets dropped. Nobody gets unseen, that's good. you know? Mm. And so, um, I, I think that that's, I think that's in the Lord's heart. Yeah. You know, I think it's in the Lord's heart to, for all of us to be ministering all to one another, right? That's, yeah. you know, that's, that's scriptural that we yeah. would all build one another up in the most holy faith. Uh, but I think, that's not always what you see. Yeah. You know, there, there are many, not just churches, there are many organizations that are very top down and in organizations that are really top down where there's only one or two people at the top that are supposed to be meeting everybody's needs that it does, it doesn't happen yeah. as, as effectively, I think as it could, if we all share that responsibility yeah. and we trust one another. So that's a big part of that surrender is letting go of the need to try to meet everybody's needs personally. Yeah. You know, we talked about that this morning during breakfast. Mm. Yeah. The, the need for people to say yes, mm-hmm. because it's not, I mean, you're right. It's not your full responsibility to, to lead this, this church. I mean, it's Jesus had his disciples to walk with them as well. He imparted his spirit on them to go and do the works. And so I think it's really important for, I think for any leader 
and to understand that you can't do it by yourself. And, and I'm very much the same way. Like I have a hard time asking for help in general. So when I do ask for help, it's a pretty big deal. Um, but I like to keep things close to the chest because I know I can control it. Um, which is not good in a lot of ways. Self-sufficiency is a thing. Oh, dude. I want to feel independent. I want to feel self-sufficient because there's a, yes, I think there's a sense of control in there when we do that, but there's also kind of a false sense of security and safety. If I'm able to control everything, if I'm able to take care of everything, then I'll make sure that nothing goes wrong until something does. But as long as I'm the one responsible, you know, it's something goes wrong. What I'm going to know about it. It's not going to be me depending on someone and they failed me. It's like that takes trust. That's, that's hard. But back to the yes thing, like you were, you said yes. And there's a power in that. And I think even now there have been people impacted that you may not even be aware of that were the result of that. Yes. And we just have to be willing. And when you were talking, you were mentioning something earlier and, and I wanted to file it away because I, I thought it just made so much sense to me. We were designed to say yes to him. Mm-hmm. That's what we were designed to do. It, it's, in our, it's in our being. Our beings were designed, like we were talking about, we were designed to worship him. Mm-hmm. We were designed to say yes to him. We were designed to bear his image. He created us with that intention. So... It's no wonder that when we are willing to say yes, when we are willing to carry and bear his image, that incredible things happen. Because in those moments when we say yes, we are allowing ourselves to reflect the image of God. And when you reflect the image of God, of course, great things are going to happen. And again, it's not because of you. I didn't do it. You didn't do it. And also, you said yes. Mm -hmm. I said yes. It wasn't because of you, but it was through you. Right. And we were talking about this earlier that it's also important to kind of, I think it's important to, to encourage others when they say yes, not in a um, feeding pride way, but in an encouraging way saying, hey, look what, you know, look what God does when you say yes. This, um, the men's rally I was telling you about, yeah. I chatted you. I ran into Abel and Julio yeah. in the lobby and I'm talking to both of them. As I'm sitting there talking to Abel, we're having this conversation. And I met Abel. He was on the worship team playing drums, and Julio was playing guitar when we first came to One Chapel. They've been around One Chapel longer than I ever have. Um, and as we're sitting there talking to them, I'm, I'm having this conversation with them. It occurred to me how Julio was a link in the chain that brought me to where I am today. Yeah. His yes was one of the links, was one of the things that contributed to us being a part of this body and God blessing us in this place that we're at now. If Julio hadn't said yes, he wouldn't have been at one chapel. And his relationship with Eric Gomez, you know, made it so that Eric came over. So then Eric's at one chapel. And then at one of the the most difficult points of my life, like the dark night of the soul, Eric was a shepherd for me. He was a shepherd that I needed. He and him and uh, him and his wife and the family they invited us. Eric and, and Elvira Gomez, 
they invited us into their home. They had a, a group on Fridays, which incidentally looked a lot like our game nights on Sundays. And I didn't even think about that till recently, mm-hmm. but they would have people over, they'd have dinner and then they would share, share the word or share a scripture at the very end, but they'd play games and break bread together. And from the first time he invited us over and we walked into that room, there's this funny thing. You can see it on people's faces when they know they're loved. You could just see it in their faces. I knew that those, every single person in there knew that they were safe, seen and loved. They felt secure. They were loved on and we were brought into that. That was part of a healing process that God used to restore us and to do a lot of incredible things in me and Paula. If Julio hadn't said yes, Eric may never have come to one chapel. If Eric hadn't come to one chapel, I never would have experienced that catalyst for healing and restoration. So Friday at the men's rally, I'm talking to Julio and I said, thank you for saying yes. And what I found interesting is He probably wasn't aware. I don't think he was aware of any of that. And so many times we're not aware of what God does with our simple yes. And thank you, Darren, for recommending um, on Living Well, the Eugene Peterson book. Um, That quote, we talked about it earlier, the William Blake quote, you know, if if a man is going to bless another, do a good thing, he should do it in the minute particulars. Those little things, it's not, it's not a matter of just being nice, not just being nice to someone. If, if God puts somebody on your heart and he moves you to kindness for them, then act on it. Because if it's the Holy Spirit, and most often it is, if there's any goodness in us, I think it's inspired by him. But if we respond to that, God's going to do something with that beyond what we would ever imagine. And I love one of the scriptures that you always quote. Is it Rome? Is it Romans four? Romans two four. Romans two four. It's your kindness that draws us to repentance. So wouldn't it follow that if if it's our heart's desire that people repent and follow Jesus, that we should start from a place of kindness? Yeah. Like let's just let's just be kind to people, because I know that that's had a profound impact on me. And we were talking about this a little earlier today. just the the importance of saying yes. And one of the things that I think we kind of arrived at was that there is, there's no such thing as a small or an insignificant yes to God. He's asking you to do something and you say, yes, that's, that's huge. If you, uh, you know, it's, it was making me laugh. I was thinking about it after we had finished our conversation, but you know, people I think are afraid that, Oh, if I say oh, yeah. if I say yes to God, He's going to ask me to go to like a third across world the world, nation, across the world, to a place so I don't want to be with food I don't like and people I don't understand to do something I don't know how to do. Bullets and, flying overhead. Yeah, and it's like it's funny. <laughs> it's like because that's presupposing number one that uh, well, it's presupposing that you're ready for that. Yeah. Anyway, that's like if good. you're if you're not willing to say yes to God on things like hey, go tell that person that they look great today or whatever, then you're certainly not ready for bullets flying overhead in like third world nation with food you don't like, you know, you're not ready for that. God's not going to take you into some place that he hasn't already kind of prepared you for in some way. Um, But that's also, if we approach 
if we approach God asking us to do something and whether or not we're going to respond with that kind of fear, then we're going to miss all of the things he is asking us to do that are those minute particulars, right? And, and we're putting our foot on the brake again. Yeah. And indirectly what we're saying is, oh, well, if it's, if it's not a big lift for me, then it probably doesn't have any impact. But usually it's the things that were the easiest for us to do. It's a very small effort for me, but a huge impact for somebody else. Right. Right. So if I, and, and we were talking about our, our testimonies, right. And I have, I have, uh, we have, we have kind of similar experiences, Adrian and I do, because you know, Billy Lester was a youth pastor who, who, you know, it was the kindness yep. that drew you to repentance. And, and for me, it was, uh, you know, I've shared this at our church before, but for me, it was, it was several people showing me kindness, but in particular, this one moment where this guy, Alex Gonzalez gave me this hug when I walked in the church for the first time, I was nervous and didn't know really anybody except for my girlfriend, my wife at the, my wife now, my girlfriend at the time, right? Jennifer was there and, and I didn't really know anybody. And Alex gave me this huge hug and I'm so glad you're here. Not a big deal for him to do that. Yeah. You know, but being moved by the Holy Spirit and saying, yes, oh, oh yeah, okay, I'll go tell that guy I'm glad we're here. I'm glad you're here. That was a moment that was impactful for me. Didn't cost him anything. It was huge for me, right? And it's those, it's those little moments that, uh, that if we overlook them, then kind of what we're, what we're saying is, God, unless you're drawing me out to do something that I really don't want to do, then it's, then it's probably, you know, it's probably not significant. You know, it's, it, it's weird. It's backwards the way we think about things. But that, that moment for you, and we, we discussed this earlier, that moment with Alex for you, the moment with Billy for me, and even the moment that I shared our last podcast with, with the two girls that invited Paula and us to, to lunch. Tent, to lunch. Yeah. Those moments are every bit, is profound a manifestation of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. as other things, as other things that seem more spectacular. Because if they were ordained by God, how is, how is a moment or somebody doing something that God has moved them to do, mm-hmm. how is that not going to be spectacular in some way? Yeah. It's not them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're willing to say yes, yeah. but they're willing to say yes to something that God has put on their heart to do. Yeah. That's, and I love that that we have such a similar story that mm-hmm. what drew us both to Jesus was an individual that embodied his kindness. Mm-hmm. So good. Yep. In each case, and I still remember walking into a room feeling awkward, feeling like, you know, that jigsaw puzzle piece that doesn't fit anywhere. Yeah. And Billy just... Embracing and not even just coming and giving me a hug or doing that, but I could see in his eyes acceptance. Mm-hmm. I could see affirmation and acceptance in his very countenance. Mm-hmm. It was, it was in his heart, and it was just coming out. It wasn't practiced. It wasn't um, just an act. And you can feel it. It feels different. And to this day, I, I feel like God ordained that. God was moving on him, and he said yes. In your case with Alex. And I, I also think it's important for, if we look back at how many people we've been impacted by, 
I think there's, there's a power in reaching out to them. This will be the action, the, the homework for this week. Yeah. You know what? Think of those people that God has used in your life significantly. Whether that, that thing they did was small or big, if it was significant for you, like write down a list of those names and just reach out to them and let them know. Yeah. Let them know, remember when you did that? My, my friend Larry from, who was out at LT, they moved back to Colorado. Larry would, uh, he, he's the one that would text me eyeballs yeah. to remind me like, I see you. Mm-hmm. God sees you. He hasn't forgotten about you. And last time we did the podcast, I had people texting me eyeballs. I'm like, <laughs> and each one, I knew it was, we had talked about it in the podcast, but each one was a reminder of like, God sees me. Yeah. God's moving and they're saying yes. So good. You said something earlier about resisting. If we stop resisting God, um, I think we, for me, <clears throat> the moments that I felt like I was not getting far in my relationship is when I was fighting him the most. But when I stopped and said, yes, um, he blessed me with this family. Um, because I had given up music. I had given up, you know, trying to travel the world as an artist. And, um, and I thought that life was gone. And we talked about that this morning at, at breakfast. I didn't, I, I didn't mention it, but I thought it was done. And then, I got asked to do audio again. And I told Ross years ago, the minute you open up a, a location or a, a campus up north, I'll be your guy. Um, and I meant it. I meant it. Uh, but if I, if I had not let go and stopped finding God, then I, I don't think we'd be here in this room having this conversation. And I think it's really important for people to to know that that resistance is typically us not willing to give ourselves over and surrender because the yes doesn't mean going to these third world countries. And mm-hmm. it could be as simple as what you were, we're talking about, right? Asking the waitress or waiter's name and connecting in a way that they may not even realize, or they may not even be anticipating for that day. And they may be going through something really, really tough and, we're that one glimpse of Jesus in that moment. And I think it's, I think it's a beautiful, and I'm right now I'm, I'm taking this in cause I am, I'm being filled up so, by y'all. So when we, when we were going to launch this location and I knew I was going to be the worship pastor here, um, when it came to selecting a team, Alex was the first person I called and Alex was the first. Yes. He was the first person to say yes. And that yes was significant, significant beyond what, what he may realize. But that's how God works. We say yes, and then he takes that and multiplies it and does things with it. Because when he was moving on our heart for us to, to say yes to something, there's a grand design that he had that we know nothing of. <laughs> All we're doing is we're, we're agreeing. We're, yeah. we're agreeing and getting to be a part of that grand design, which he's already, he's already preordained. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And it's this whole, this whole life and God is just a series of, of yeses, right? It's just a series of um, 
you, you asked me if I would do this thing. You put this in front of me. He gives us the opportunity. He gives us a choice. You're going to say yes. You're going to say no. Oftentimes if we know, we find that he brings us that choice again, just a little bit later on down the line, <laughs> mm-hmm. probably after some circumstances that get us really wondering, God, why, why are things going astray? Why are things wrong? Why does it feel bad? And, and then we'll see that just magically, miraculously, that, that same choice will come back again. And he gives us an opportunity again to okay, you say yes or you say no. Yeah. And so we, you know, when we say yes, it's like, great. And we, move one step forward. I was, as we've been talking, I've been thinking about just the process of the physical process of walking right? and walking. I don't remember where I read this, but I read that walking is basically a series of controlled falls. Yeah. I've heard that. It's a series of controlled falls. You put yourself off balance. Like you, you think about just the posture you have to be in. You, you put one foot out front and you start to push off with your back foot until you lose your balance unless that, you know, unless that f- front foot stops you. Yeah. And so you've got this series of controlled falls. Like it's, it's an act of will yeah. to walk forward. It's also at the same time, it's an act of faith to walk forward, just to put yourself in position to, you know, to, you're, you're vulnerable when you're walking every single step of your going on a walk around the neighborhood, every single step, there's an instance of vulnerability and a vulnerable position. And you're trusting that your foot is going to, you know, is going to be there. Right. It's just a series of control falls. And I, and I think it's kind of appropriate that we talk about this life that we have with, with Jesus being our walk with him. It is an act of will. And at the same time, an act of faith, we make ourselves vulnerable Mm. trusting that, okay, but there's some, there's some solid ground and a leg to stand on. If I just let go with this back leg, mm. you know, God, so is, wild. God is so good because as you were mentioning, we were talking about saying yes earlier in my heart, I kind of felt for people who sometimes feel regret. They feel like I didn't say yes when I should have, mm. you know, I should have said yes to something and I didn't. And they feel a sense of condemnation and guilt and regret for not having said yes. So we're talking about yes, and that was mo- that was brewing in the back of my mind. So I was looking to one of my favorite scriptures ever, which is Proverbs sixteen nine. Um, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. And the reason I love that verse is because for me, there's so much grace in it. And I always use this example of, I might be walking down a road, you know, and for whatever reason, in an error in judgment, I turn down a dark alley, which is dangerous. Mm. I chose that course. Mm. Even in that dark alley, God's going to direct my steps. There's grace. Even if you didn't say yes before, you can say yes today. You can say yes in this moment. What is he asking you to do right now? Is he calling you to pray? Is he calling you to reach out to someone? Is he calling you to seek him in his word? Is he calling you to worship? What is he calling you to do? You have the ability to say yes and the freedom to say yes right now in this moment. And you don't have to worry about that. And you can trust that he will direct your steps. So all this is going on in my head as you're talking about walking. (laughs) That's fun. (laughs) I know. And I'm, I'm like, and it is. And each step, I love that. It's a controlled fall. 
It's controlled fall after controlled fall after controlled fall. Um, but if we're allowing him to control it and direct it, it's a step of faith in every time. Yeah. And, and, and also it's a process of maturity, right? Because as we've been talking, you know, the, the more times you say yes mm-hmm. to, the, to the Lord, the more you realize the, the, the blessing that comes with saying yes and the security that comes with it, the more comfortable you get with saying yes. And we think about the process of walking when you're, I mean, you've seen little kids trying to learn to walk. It's messy and they fall a lot mm-hmm. and their legs wobble and they take one step and they get all smiley because it's like, oh my gosh, I took one step. And now, you know, I'm 50 years old. I go to take a walk. I don't think about it. It's just natural, yeah. you know, but it's a mark of maturity. I've walked enough. I've taken that act of will and act of faith. And I've seen, I've seen that controlled fall turn mm-hmm. out successfully enough times mm-hmm. that now it's just taking a walk. Yeah. Now it's just second nature, but it's a process like everything else. A couple of podcasts ago, you remember we were talking about taking the first step. Once you take the first step, the second one's easier. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you went there. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of passion in, in awareness. Because uh, if you think about the future and moving ahead, as you continue to walk, like now the, the yeses that you, that you commit to, now you get to witness the blessing in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking about what I'm going to do today uh, full context. I'm, I was a, I mentored kids in the past that were coming out of the juvenile center. <clears throat> and, uh, after my divorce, I decided, well, I'm going to have a little more time on my hands. So I'm going to commit to mentoring a, a, a teenager. I'm meeting my, my mentee today, um, him and his family. And so, uh, because of that, yes, I'm excited to see what God's going to do in his life. And, and I'm sure he's going to use it to impact my life. But that awareness now and being able to see ahead is really powerful. Yeah. And I'm stoked. <laughs> this is great, guys. It'll be interesting to see what God does with that, yes. Mm-hmm. And... um. Darren, I think it was last week or the week before you were in the message, you were talking about Paul and Silas being in prison. Mm-hmm. Can you share what you shared in that message? Do you remember you said they're in there and um, they start singing? Yeah, they start. Uh, well, I don't remember specifically, but I'll, I'll share what's coming to me now mm-hmm. about what I remember. But they, so they start singing, start worshiping in the middle of trials, right? And the, and the walls all fall down, the prison walls fall down. But it's very significant in the scripture. It says, and all the other prisoners were listening to them, right? So the walls all fall down, and one and one of the guards comes, right? To, and I don't know if I'm getting to the point you're looking for, but uh, but one of the guards comes, and he was scared that they had used this as an opportunity to escape, but they didn't use this as an opportunity to escape, right? They they were they were worshiping, and all these the walls fell down, and then the guard comes, and then people end up coming to know Jesus through that. Like they weren't worshiping to escape their situation. They were worshiping in the middle of their situation because there were others who were in that situation who needed 
they, they needed their yes, right? So yeah. their their worship wasn't it was f- it was from them, it was through them, but it wasn't really about them. Right. It was it was for the others awesome. in their atmosphere. In a sense, the others experienced freedom because of their yes. Yeah. Not only were they were they in a position to experience freedom because of them crying out and worshiping and seeking God in that moment. Um, but God used that moment to impact more than just them. Mm-hmm. They may have been crying out or they may have been rejoicing or, or rejoicing or worshiping in the midst of the circumstance just for them as individuals because mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit moved in and through them. But what they did, them saying yes, mm-hmm. had a greater impact. It had an impact on the others in that jail. Not just them. Others were affected. Right. So when you talk about saying yes to, to being a mentor to this young man, I'm like, he just may be the tip of the iceberg. Like, we don't, we don't know. Yeah. Just like, for me, Julio, Julio didn't even know me. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. and how many people, you know, have you, Darren, have you, walked with and blessed and been a shepherd to here. How many people have you poured into? And I would venture to say that Alex doesn't know any of them. True. Our yes goes way beyond mm-hmm. what we're, what we, we can imagine. Mm-hmm. And that's because the yes doesn't, it didn't originate with us. Mm-hmm. We're in agreement and we, we surrender to his will, mm-hmm. but we're not, I mean, it wasn't our idea. It wasn't our idea. It's it's part of God's grand design. It's part of his will for us and for those around us, for his children. And when we say yes, then we see his will start to be, you know, realized. Yeah. One of the things, I, I think I was sharing this with, with you and Stu this morning at breakfast. One of the things that I'm particularly sensitive to is um, I never want anyone anyone, not a single person to feel unseen. And those things Paul, God put on Paul's heart to make people feel safe, seen, and loved. So any given Sunday morning when we're in here, I especially feel that, that sensitivity to, to make sure that everyone feels seen. Well, at a certain point, you know, your church grows and you get big in a church setting now, we can do this outside the walls, but I'm just saying in a church context, at a certain point you realize, man, I, I can't I can't go and talk to every single person. There's 100, 200 people in here. I can't. I don't have that. It's not possible. And even if it were, what kind of quality is there going to be when you're spending just this fraction of time? Yeah. So as I've thought about that, I'm like, I'm thinking, yeah, but if every one of us in this room is responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit, no one will go unseen. Mm-hmm. No one will go unseen if we're all responding to his leading. Because mm-hmm. that same thing that, that I'm feeling, he's going to put on your heart, he's going to put on your heart. And I guess the, the, the question or the challenge is like, are we listening for that? Mm-hmm. Are we listening and we, do we have eyes open to say, Lord, like, what would you have me do? Or, I mean, are we looking out at a, at a room and um, asking that Jesus helps help us see the room and the people as he sees them. Because we've said it before, it's like 
for Paul and I, our prayer is that Jesus would allow us to see others the way he sees them. Because if I see what he sees, I will be compelled to love the way that he loves. It'll just be a natural thing. I think the struggle we have is often when we see others, we don't see what he sees. We see brokenness. We see the gnarliness. We see the jadedness. We see the cynicism. We see, you know, the byproducts of the fall, the byproducts of um, a life that's beat them up, you know, the byproducts or the the end results of, of being apart from God or not, not knowing him or being near him. And we see these things and often like, huh, the person, like often we, sometimes we don't look lovable, mm-hmm. but that didn't stop Jesus from trying to love us. Mm-hmm. Not, not even trying. That didn't stop him from loving us. So it's like, how do we cultivate that same heart in ourselves so that when we look, we're looking beyond um, the superficial. We're looking beyond the exterior. I I had an idea for a shirt. Everybody has an idea for a shirt and a bumper sticker at some point in their lives. But I had an idea for a shirt. I thought it would be so cool to have a shirt that just says, I am more than this. Just that. Because it's true. I am more than this. I am more than this vehicle that you see. There's a spirit that bears the fingerprints and the brushstrokes of God in me. Like, and in every person I see in front of me. So am I seeing that? Because if I'm seeing that, then something should be stirring in me. Something should be stirring in me. But how often do we go through any given Sunday or do we go through any, you know, social setting and we just see through people. What, what's wrong? I'll never forget Brent and God bless him because I, I feel like God put, put this on him through the Holy Spirit and I never forgot it. Walk slowly through the crowd. Walk slowly through the crowd and be present and see people. And by the way, if, if you don't get to him on Sunday... There's no law that says you can't reach out on Wednesday or Tuesday or Monday. Sometimes we feel this sense of urgency, like, man, I have to get to that person. It's like, oh, well, you know, um, sometimes we have church hurt. It's like, that person didn't say hi to me on Sunday. Did, Did you try calling him on Monday? Why not? Why not? But, you know, there's everything between the Sundays. This isn't like some exclusive club where we can only interact here and only the interactions which happen in these walls are the ones that matter. It's like, it's kind of almost the opposite. It's like, yeah, everything that happens between the Sundays, you know, is absolutely critical. That's where we need to walk with each other and we still gather and we celebrate our unity and we reaffirm, you know, corporate worship and what we believe, but we walk it out between the Sundays so, like, are we doing that? Just, and it's not hard this morning. You know, we're sitting there having breakfast, and we had talked to that, that waitress before. I'm like, man. And I remember her and her dad moved here from Pennsylvania. She went to the military, and then it didn't work out. And yep. Her name was Ashley. Yep. And also at the, the same PB place. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't there today, but the manager's name was Matthew. They kicked us out one time because they had a water main break. <laughs> but you could tell Matthew and, and his staff, they were trying real hard to, 
to make sure that we were served well and everything was okay. But especially like even that, I mean, if you're in the service industry, how many gnarly people do you deal with? I see it when I go to restaurants. I mean, so think about how surprising it is for them when somebody's like, Hey, how are you doing? How's it going? How's your morning been? Like, I didn't realize that that waitress, she walks a mile to get to work. What? Yeah. She was telling us this morning. Oh my goodness. She's like, yeah, it was, it was a good walk though. It was a nice walk. Like, interesting. I found out recently that over here at, um, at Dahlia, one of our favorite waitresses, she's, she's so sweet. Um, we found out she lives in our neighborhood, like one street down, one street down from our neighborhood. It's like, if we just open our ears, open our eyes, God will use us. God will just, he'll use you to love others and he'll use others to love you. We just kind of have to be aware of that. Yeah. That's a big challenge. I think for, for, um, for us in the church, you know, we, we, Traditionally, we meet on Sunday. That's our day. You know, that's that's when we all gather together. Yeah. But the but the strength in what's happening in a in a community on a Sunday is: do we carry that out throughout the week? You know, is that does that live on? Because if not, then we're just we're saying and doing things on a Sunday that just we close the door and it just stays locked inside the building. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but the but. You know the, the the plan that God has for us is that we wouldn't would take all of the things that He's pouring out on us and lock lock them inside a building, but that we would take them to the whole world. Mm-hmm. You know, we take them and and a part of the whole world is going to Dahlia to go get a you know a BLT, which is what I did today, mm-hmm. and it's delicious. Um, uh, you know, and and being like being present in the environment that he's brought you to that day, being appreciative for that day, being appreciative and thankful for that moment, because it's a, it's a moment that he's given you to, to, to breathe in and to say yes. in and to see, uh, all the other, again, when you start to see people the way that God sees them, then every place you walk into becomes much more interesting you know, when you see that everyone is a fearfully and wonderfully made creation of God, then no place is boring. Yeah, because you you walk you walk yeah. in to go get your get your oil changed, and there's three or four other people sitting in there, and they're they're not just you know people on their phones waiting for the oil to get changed. They're they're creations of they're God children with, of God with stories yeah. and with you know with with real things going on, and not that we. You know, not that we always, because it's a two-way street. Not everybody is open to uh, to you know to sharing that you know that kind of to be, that kind of vulnerability. Not everybody's open to that all the time. But what's the, in in uh, in I can't remember where it is. Sorry, right. we'll edit this part out, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> we don't. I'll go look it up. Out, right? <laughs> well, it's like um, the thing is that before there was there was a. Um, a model to, to draw everyone into the temple. Yeah. And that's where they encountered the presence of God. We are now the temple. Mm-hmm. I think about Kings where was it Solomon where he was building the temple mm-hmm. and, uh, and God told him, I, 
I'm going to live amongst the people, mm-hmm. not in the building. Yeah. So I think about. Yeah, he lives, he lives in us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if, if we're, if we're carrying and bearing his image and seeing people as Jesus sees them, how many people just stop and think, sometimes we, we try to, to target outreach ministries. We try to target a certain uh, young people, older people, certain demographic or whatever. We target things. But think how beautiful it is, you know, to, to stop and consider how many different people do you encounter on a different, uh, on a given day? Mm-hmm. How many people in every one of those intersections is ordained by God? What are we doing with every one of those intersections? What are we doing when we run into the, the barista at, at Starbucks? What are we doing when we talk to Annette at Circle K, the cashier, or Ashley at PB, or Kim, or Naomi, or Alan at Dahlia? Yeah. Um, what are we doing with those moments? Like, are we being present? And yes, we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because I don't believe the Holy Spirit or Jesus is ever going to move us to be invasive with someone. Exactly. It's good. So we're never invasive, Mm -hmm. but I think we should at least care. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a lot of room between invasive and, you know, being passive and not caring at all. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of room for being loving and for being genuinely interested or, you know, concerned about their well being or something. And one of the things we talked about in, in one of the last, um, podcasts is, yeah, there was this tech guy. There was a quote that I love quoting all the time. He said, have you ever find yourself bored in a conversation? The problem is you, not them. It was Matt Mullenweg. Boom. And I remember loving that mm-hmm. because how often do we, we find ourselves? It's like, man, this guy is so incredibly boring. <laughs> like, geez, I want to be talking. I want to be part of that conversation over there. And we do this in church too. We're like talking. It's like, man, that group of people over there, they look Charismatic. That, that looks, I don't know, that just looks like a, a much more interesting conversation over there. And when we had, did one of our last podcasts, it occurred to me, if you're interested, they will be interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the problem is we're not interested. Yeah. We're, we're not. And that's a heart, that's a heart issue. That's not, it's not an intellectual issue. That's like, okay, like is, is Jesus in there? It's like. And Darren and I were talking about this earlier. It's like, if we're spending time in God's presence, well, God loves people. Mm-hmm. If we're spending time in his presence, we should, be coming, we should be becoming more like him. And if we're becoming more like him and he loves people, then we should love people more. So is that happening? Is, that, is our character being transformed in his presence in such a way that it impacts how we engage with those around us of every, every variety, whether they're young people, they're older people, they're people in our station of life, they're people in our age group, they're people in our demographic. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, are are you, are you moved by the heart of God to love them the way that he loves them? And that doesn't always mean something profound. Again, you know, we think the Holy Spirit's going to move on us. We think it's going to be this big thing. No, that may just mean, Hey, um, Hey, how's your day going? What's your name? What's your name? <laughs> you know, those are, I think those can be profound manifestations of the Holy Spirit if if we say yes. Yeah. 
it's uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into his image from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The more time we spend with him in his presence, we are progressively being transformed into his image, like more and more and more. The more time we spend, the more we become like him. And the more we become like him, you know, the, the more we... The more character changes and we interact with people. What's the, yep. the seminary term is what? Progressive sanctification? Mm-hmm. It's like we continue to become more like him. But if we're spending more time with him, but it's not changing our character and the nature of how we interact with other people isn't changing, mm-hmm. then there's a kink in the hose somewhere. Um, the intentions. Yeah, because I think again, my one of my absolute favorite verses. If I'm spending time with Him, He's going to fill my heart up. In Luke six forty five, a good man brings forth good things out of the abundance stored up in his heart. Mm-hmm. If He is what's filling up our heart, it's just going to come out. It's not going to be. We're, it's, we're not going to be divisive or manipulative about it. It's just who we're becoming. We're becoming more like him and he loved people. So we can't help but just be loving people more. Yeah. So if we have a hard time loving people, I think I think it's okay to kind of make an assessment and acknowledge that and say, you know what? Okay, Lord, like if somebody's hearing this and they're like, oh, that makes sense, but I don't feel that. That's Okay. Take that to Jesus and say, Lord, I know your heart is to love people, but in this moment, if if I'm honest and open with you, you know my heart anyway. I don't feel that. Can you can you help me work that out? Help me mm-hmm. walk that out with you. And Jesus is kind and he'll he'll shape our character. But I, I don't think anybody should anybody should feel condemned because you don't feel this right now. Mm-hmm. I think because I think the enemy will use that. It's like, oh man, you don't feel that way. Yeah, you're not doing enough. Somebody, somebody hears it and they're like, I don't, I don't do this, man. Um, you start feeling condemnation, but it's not right. condemnation. It's right. conviction's a good thing. Conviction's like, hey, come to me and let's let's fix this. Let's work on this. Mm-hmm. Condemnation. How did you put it earlier, Darren? I love the way you put oh, condemnation. I can remember how I put it. You, you put it Great. so good. Um, yeah, with with uh, with conviction. Let me let me see if I can get there from here. Uh, with conviction, I find that it's what's being called out is not my heart, it's my action, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm getting it wrong in my practice, but the Lord is still looking at my heart and seeing that oh, it's good. You're not, you're not bad, but you're not quite getting, your action's not quite corresponding with who you really are kind of thing. But with condemnation, it's a personal attack against me, right? So con- conviction is is more about my action that needs some correction. Uh, condemnation is more criticizing me as a person, and that's why the action is bad. And so it's not a, it, it's not the way that we said it earlier, you know. Yeah. But but that's at the heart of it. Like conviction is something like, oh, okay, I'm I'm getting it wrong, but I'm not bad. Yeah. So. I, I, you know, so if I just correct this, we'll be, we'll be right on that path. And that's how the Lord treats me. That's how, that's how Jesus does it. That's how the Holy Spirit convicts me. Mm-hmm. He says, I love you, but you need to change this so that your actions are more in line with, you know, 
with my heart for people. With who I created with you who to I be. created you to be. Yeah, and but condemnation is what comes from the enemy and sometimes what comes through other people to us from the enemy. And what that says is, oh, the reason that your action was this is because you're bad, yeah. you're terrible, and you should feel guilty, you should feel shame. You, you should, should not do that. You should, you should not because, do that ever. Because right? you're not fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Yeah. Because you were not created with a purpose, because you're broken beyond redemption. It gets you questioning... You're, well, it's kind of what we started the conversation. Wow, look at that. It's what we started the conversation with, right? There's that close tie between what we do and who we are, but we get it. We, we flip the script sometimes and we feel like, well, it, who we are is the, sum, uh, is the sum total of the actions we've done. But, but really it's not true. Like the, it's, it, we don't, we don't become what you do, out of doing, we yeah. do out of a state of being. What you do does not define who you are, you are. because you may do things that are wrong, right. but who you are is he, who he created you to be. Right. You may not always do the right things. And that kind of, mm-hmm. it brings it full circle back to the identity thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he created you in his image mm-hmm. and you doing bad things or doing things wrong doesn't negate that, right. doesn't change that. Mm-hmm. And I think condemnation would try to negate that mm-hmm. and take away the fact that we are his son, we are his daughter. He created us. That's what condemnation would do. Yeah. Whereas conviction is, yes, you are his son and you are his daughter. Mm-hmm. And I think you've forgotten that. And you're behaving in a way that demonstrates that you've forgotten who he created you to be. Yeah. Condemnation tries to make your mistake your identity. Mm-hmm. That's what it does. No, I'm just, I'm just, like, y'all, these are my friends. Like, this is what's up. There was a word for me today through this. This is great. And I've, I, I don't have my notebook handy, but as soon as we get done, I'm going and taking some notes on some things that yeah, I heard too. today. It's so good. Yeah, man. I think it's it, like it started from this morning. We went to breakfast with Stu and we jumped into why we started this podcast. And then it turned into the conversation we're having now. It's just an extension of that. And um, I just feel like I needed to hear all this. Oh, man. Me too. One of the things we've said uh, the past couple of episodes is that, like, it it's one thing to discuss these things and kind of feel. God moving in the discussion or feel like, you know, we're, we're learning from each other and God's revealing things to us as we walk together. Um, but just talking about it or even just hearing it isn't enough. Like it has to result in living it and what living it looks like is walking with other people because when you walk with other people, when you, we've said this before, doing church together is not the same as doing life together. You want to see, you want to, to, to learn about grace and forgiveness and mercy and patience and long suffering, do life with others. Um, so one of the things that we, we thought about is even for folks listening, like be in relationship, Mm -hmm. find people that you can walk with, walk with them, have these conversations, but then also walk it out. 
not just have conversations in isolation. Like you were saying earlier, Darren, we can come in and, you know, into church on a Sunday, hear a message and hear things and have studies in here and leave all that information in these four walls and walk out and, you know, not allow it to have an impact on our life outside. The way we allow it to have impact is by walking with others inside and outside of these walls, like doing life with people between Sundays, because that's when we get to see, that's when we learn about grace Mm -hmm. Because when we see how we all act when we're not in a Sunday service, that's when our sense of grace is challenged. <laughs> that's when our sense of acceptance, that's when our sense of, of you know, patience and um, integrity is, is challenged. Mm-hmm. So we have to, to walk. And I think we were designed, I mean, I think God designed us to be in community. Well, that's why we we haven't talked about this on the podcast yet. But eventually we want to start having groups where people can meet each other in their different regions. Like we have, for some reason, we have a ton of people listening in Seattle. I feel like God's doing something there. Hello, Seattle. Hello, yeah. Mm. Uh, we'd love to eventually get like a Zoom group and do that weekly. And uh, so we want to have some action based off of what you just said, Adrian. I think it's it's uh that's the future of this, but you're 100 percent right. I think if if I didn't have the community that I have in y'all, I would not be in the position that I'm in today. With all the things that have happened in the past year, um, I think it would have taken me a longer road to the current health status that I'm in now, and I'm thankful for that, and I want more people to have that too. Being in community, we um, we mitigate this thing that happens. And I think, Darren, you may have you may remember this too. Um, when you see people at a distance, you you recognize and appreciate their giftings, mm-hmm. but you don't see their character. Right. When you're up close, you see the character, and all of us need that. Yeah. We need people that see us not just from a distance, but we need people that are close enough to see our character, to see if, oh, well, here's all this stuff you're saying. So even when we talk about the podcast, it's like, oh yeah, we're sharing all these things. But you know what? I ran into this dude down at, at, at the store and he was a jerk. Well, that's what happens when you're not in community. Like yeah. we need to be in community because we need to have people in our lives that see not only our giftings, but see our character. Mm. Because when, when that happens, and that's what communities are, um, that's when we start to grow. That's when we have friends that call us out. And I love, Alex has called me out many times. We're working out, we're having a conversation. And I said, man, I'm really frustrated with, with this person. And I was like, man. Alex looks at me really calm, like this very sage, calm look. He's like, so how long have you been praying for him? It's cold, Alex. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> cold. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and then I throw another 45 pound on All right. Lift All right. Yeah, but yeah. Let's push some more weight. Yeah. Like, yeah, we need to move on past this. Could be pushing emotional weight, right? Yeah. <laughs> but what I loved about that is if Alex and I had been walking together for, for over a year when he said that, if it was somebody that I didn't know, 
in my human nature, mm-hmm. in my weakness, it'd be very easy to say, well, you don't know me. Mm-hmm. Who are you to speak into my life? Into my life? It's like, you don't know anything about me. You don't know this circumstance. I know Eric. I know that Alex loves and cares for me. I know that he's demonstrated in his behavior and in the time we've spent together, he's demonstrated that he's a friend and he's a brother that's walking with me. So when he says something, mm-hmm. there's a weight to it. And I think that's important when we walk with others. It's like before we start, you know, spitting wisdom, air quotes, and, you know, scripture at them, what have we done to demonstrate to them that we care about them? Yeah. And the model for this is Jesus. Like before Jesus said a single thing, he already demonstrated that he loved us by leaving the comfort of heaven and coming to earth. Yeah. It's like, that was a huge demonstration that like, I love you so much. I'm going to become a weak, broken human like you because I want to be near you. Then when he starts speaking, he's already done that thing to demonstrate how much he loved and cared for us. So whenever we speak to others, like, what have we actually, what have we done it's to like demonstrate that. that we care about them? It's like that text that I sent you a couple of days ago. Knowledge is not just a bunch of information to spit out at people. Mm. Wisdom is what you, is knowing what to do with that knowledge and living it out. Because mm. we're just a bunch of Pharisees at that point if we're. Yeah, if all we're doing is. Oh, we had that conversation. Man, so many good comfort. I feel like even talking to y'all now, I feel so blessed because we've had so many good conversations that have been life-giving, like me and you, Alex, and me and you, Darren, like we just have great conversations. But Darren and I were talking about um, Jesus quoting scripture. Mm -hmm. And anybody, I mean, call me out on this if I'm, if I'm speaking incorrectly, but when I read the gospels, I don't, I don't see Jesus spitting scripture at the fishermen, at the farmers, at the woman at the well, at at the wedding at Cana. I don't see him spitting scripture to, to Nicodemus and to all these other people. I see him being the embodiment, the living embodiment of scripture. Now I do see him spitting scripture at Pharisees, at Sadducees. I think, And I think it was his way of saying, oh, just because I'm not quoting book, chapter, and verse, every other sentence— because I don't want y'all to get it twisted and think that I don't know scripture. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know it, but I'm, I'm busy about the business of living it instead of spitting it at you. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> that was the sound of a mic dropping right yeah, there. Yeah. Right there. Ah, oh, this is so good. Well, I mean, how long have we been? This has been fun. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Man. So what was it called action again? Um, just get a notepad, write down a list of the people that, that God has used in your life significantly of the people that insert your heart. Just think of the people that God has used throughout your life. Those people that have embodied his, his love, his acceptance, his encouragement, his support, who has God used throughout your life? to support and encourage and comfort you or correct you. And I think it's the call to action would be, Hey, why don't you reach out to those people and let them know how God used them in your life? I think it'd be interesting. I mean, 
not, not that there's a great way to track this and it would seem weird if you asked them to tell you, but, uh, but I just wonder, you know, that call to action on February 15th, 2023, uh, you know, people may do that. If you're listening now, you, you, you might be doing this over the next week. I, I just feel like there's, you know, God's always timely with what he does. Mm. And so ask, ask him to bring back to, cause there may be people you forgot asking to bring back to your memory to help you recall the people who have influenced you, the people who you might need to reach out to with just a text or a call or maybe a Facebook message, something like that. And let them know, Hey, this, you did this, you spoke this, you showed me this and it was very impactful. I just wanted you to know that I, it still matters to me today. And I just feel like over, over the next week, there are going to be people who are getting messages that they're not prepared for. Yes, and it's exactly. going to come for them at yeah. just the right time. There are going to be people who... That's how the Holy Spirit works. Yeah, who spoke to you or they ministered to you. And it might've been years ago. And they may be going through something this week. And you reach back out to me and say, hey, you were instrumental in this part of my spiritual walk. And that may actually be the boost that they need. It may be the thing that, like we talked about earlier, it's it's a very small gesture for you. It's a small yes for you with a huge impact for somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's that's that the kind of thing we've been talking about so far. Whew. Dude, I'm so pumped up for people. Mm. So just go start making that list. Yeah. And if you got any great stories for anybody who's listening, we'd love to hear them. Like, let us know. We want to hear the feedback because um, we want to we want to hear and see what God's doing. That would be a a great um, topic for an episode. Is to have us share or have someone on, and just ask them to go down their list. Somebody with, hey, why don't you just go down this list and tell me what happened? What did Alex do? Mm-hmm. How did Alex impact you? And unpack that story. Mm-hmm. And then who else was there? And who else was there? And who else was there? Um, and that kind of that kind of makes tears. you think of that of that verse in Revelation, and they overcame by the power of the blood and the word of their testimony. Yep, it's all we're doing, and it's it's like a twofer because. We're also being encouraged. We're being we're recognizing and celebrating what God has already done and showing gratitude and acknowledging it. But we're also encouraging those who at some point in their life said yes and it impacted us. And I love that you said that. It may be timely because they may they may be at a point right now where God's calling them to say yes and they've forgotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've forgotten what he can do when they say yes. There are no accidents, right? Mm. If this is coming up now, it's it's strategic on God's part for someone. Yeah. And if it, even if it's only one someone, it's yeah. you know, it, it's totally worth it to God. Right? And God used all of this to reach them. Isn't that something? Whoa, dude! I'm gonna throw this laptop at the wall, <laughs> and I'm gonna bust a lap around this church. <laughs> oh, you guys, y'all bless me so much. I love y'all. Love you, Love you too. Thank you. We need to have Darren on again. I'm sure people want to yes, please hear from you again. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll be happy to come on anytime you want. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this has been so fun. I mean, we, you know, these are the kind of conversations I, I, I love to get into just to talk about the deeper things and to be encouraged by you guys. So I, y'all, y'all both made my list by the way. Oh so, mm. yeah. So there we go. Same. I started same, it same, out. Same. Yeah. I remember the first time we had coffee at Starbucks on the street. Oh man. Yes. With the with the nineties hip hop playing. With the nineties hip hop play, yeah. <laughs> and we got Tribe Called Quest yes. going. And we're bobbing yes. our heads while we're talking about very serious things. That's when I was like, dude, I have so much respect for Darren right now because going through the hip hop phase and we almost nice. started busting out our Kango hats and doing yeah. head spins. We were nice. very close. Yeah. <laughs> very close. But Starbucks wouldn't let us. So yeah. you know. Awesome guys. Uh we're gonna wrap it up here because we're almost in an hour and a half. And we're I mean, I would love to continue this, like I always say. That was a quick hour and a half. I know. Yeah. But until next time, ciao.